Uh, a lot of you made New Year's uh, resolutions that you've already broken because you, some of you said, uh, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go to church every week this year, and you already missed two. So I, I don't know how I'll make that up. But, uh, you know, I thought about resolutions. You know, re- New Year's resolutions are special things with a lot of people. I understand that Kent called and, and, uh, on New Year's and asked his dad, Dewey, that since he retired, did he make a New Year's resolution? And he said, I certainly did. He said, well, what was it? He said, now that I'm retired, I'm going to make sure that I do everything your mother wants me to do throughout 2018. He said, well, let me talk to Mom. He said, uh, Cheryl, he said, did you make a New Year's resolution? She said, I sure did. I'm going to make sure that Dewey carries out every word of his. <laughs> you know, I, I, New Year's resolutions, you know, a lot of people make them. I, I quit making them because they, they never worked out for me. It seemed like I always lost them right off right off the bat. So uh, you have to watch this microphone. I'm not used to it. Is this one on? Make sure this one's not on. Okay. I, I'm getting feedback, you know, with the other side being plugged up. Anyway, I'm glad to be here today, and I hope you're glad to be here as we share together. I'm going to share with you from the book of Matthew this morning, chapter number 12. And I'm going to begin down with verse number 33. And I want to talk about your heart today. Notice what Matthew's writing says in verse 33. It says, make a tree good. And its fruit will be good. Or make a tree bad, and its fruit will be bad. For the tree is recognized by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you who are evil say anything good? For out of the overflow of the heart the mouth speaks. A good man brings good things that are stored up within him. And the evil man brings evil things out of the evil that are stored up in him. But I tell you that men will have to give an account on the day of judgment for every careless word they have spoken. For by your words you will be acquitted, or by your words you will be condemned. When I read this scripture, I began to think about the good and the bad. I thought about the world that we live in. And today's generation, it's such a different time. And so I want to look at the heart this morning. For the Scripture says, out of the heart, the mouth speaketh. I want you to know that the problems that we have in our world today, I know there's a lot of people that are out there that are telling you that of all the shootings and all of the robberies and all of the beatings and all of the things that have taken place that are hurting people, is not a gun problem. It is a heart problem. For that's what the Scripture says. The Scripture tells us that it's a heart problem. For Jesus said, out of the heart comes evil thoughts, murderers, adultery, sexual immorality, Theft, false testimony, slander, all of these come from the heart. 
And then he goes even further to say in the 12th chapter, verse 34, he said, Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. When I read that, I thought about Jesus placed to blame for each and every person's sinful thoughts. For every sinful word that you speak, for every deed or for every action, is squarely placed back on your shoulders. For Jesus said, it's your fault, nobody else's. Don't try to blame everybody else. What We want to blame everybody today. No matter what it is that happens, the first thing we want to do, we want to blame somebody else. But Jesus is trying to show us that there are certainly some cases, I'm sure, that where responsibilities is not just totally ours. There, there's a few things that other people are involved in. I thought about Adolf Hitler when uh, he personally did not personally executed six million Jews during World War II. But I want to tell you this. He was primarily responsible for the Holocaust. And so in the same way, if you look for someone to blame your personal problems on, you need to look no further than your own, own hearts. Physically, think about this, physically the heart is placed and located in the center of the body and responsible for the life-giving flow of blood to all the other vital organs. And it was intended that way. God intended made us that way. The condition of the heart is the very important physical part of our body. And so when I thought about the physical body, if it's so important that the heart is placed in the center, it pumps all the blood to the vital areas that is needed, how much is that the same in the spiritual body? For you see, in the spiritual body, the heart occupies the same place. Whether it is you refer to it as your conscience or of your soul or of your inner feelings, it's immaterial. It makes no difference. You see, the important thing is that you understand the condition of your heart is your responsibility for its condition. You see, I can't blame someone else for what goes on in my heart and what I think and what I say and what I do or what happens within me. I want to tell you something. It's my responsibility and the same is true with you. Knowing this, you would think that people would do whatever is necessary to maintain a healthy heart. I mean, after all, you know, after, after all, cholesterol and saturated fat and smoking are all bad for the heart. Many people think they're exempt from those rules. There's a lot of people who says, well, that will never hit me. That will never bother me. But what about as a Christian? As a Christian, if you could uh, somehow stop a spiritual heart attack, if you could somehow stop that from happening... Wouldn't you or shouldn't you? For the Bible says these words. It says, above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. You see, the heart. God has given us an adequate instructions for the care of the heart. He has told us how that we can do it. And you know when I thought about this word heart? In the Scriptures, some of you have these new phones. You can... You can check it closer than I can because I don't have one of those. You know, I still got the old flip phone. You know, my grandkid says, Grandpa, when are you going to buy a new phone? I said, I haven't learned everything in this one yet. Uh, you know, but, but you know, they look at the phone. 
But let me tell you something. The Bible tells us the word heart, or the form of it, occurs in the Bible many, many, many times. For it speaks of troubled hearts. It speaks of hardened hearts. It speaks of stubborn hearts. You ever find anybody have that? You know, it speaks about not only stubborn hearts, but, but about cheerful hearts. Those that are just excited about everything. They, they just make you feel good. How about those that are, have yielded hearts, broken hearts, loving hearts, humble hearts, proud hearts? They're all the, the theme of the Scriptures. And so the heart is important. And I want, I want to center in on your heart this morning and mine. First of all, I want you to know that these themes that I've mentioned can all be boiled down into three basic truths. And the first truth that we will find from this is that the heart of man is wicked and it is deceitful. Now I'm going to tell you, that, that comes from the very beginning of life. Many times, you know, we find that the heart, the Bible says, Jeremiah said, the heart is deceitful above all things and is desperately wicked. Who can know it? Your heart will make you believe that you're not responsible for a lot of the things of the sinful condition in your life. You're just a product of your environment. Oh, we have lots of people who come on television. All they want to do is sit on talk shows and talk about the, their environment, talk about their upbringing, blaming grandma and blaming grandpa, blaming the way they were raised, the way they had things, and the way they didn't have things. But let me tell you, somewhere in your past, your heart tells you you're, you had a, a traumatic experience that caused you to be the way you are. This deception is exhibited a number of years ago as I was watching when they were having all the looting that was going on in Southern California. And they were breaking windows and getting into stores. And here come a young man out of there. Man, he was loaded. His arms was full of CDs and DVDs. And he was in a Christian bookstore. And when he came out, the news lady said, What in the world are you doing? He said, Well, I didn't steal nothing but Christian stuff. I'm a Christian. You see, this man had a deceitful heart. His heart was wicked and he didn't even realize it. But you know what? There's a lot of people that do even worse than that. Because his heart was wicked and deceitful. You see, the heart is wicked, the Bible says. And we have to do something about it. The second thing that I want you to notice is that God knows your heart. Now, I may not know your heart. Your wife or your Children or your husband may not know your heart. Your pastor may not know your heart. But I want to tell you something. God knows all. And the Scripture tells me that God knows the heart. In the response to the question that Jeremiah asked, who can know it? God answered that question. God said, I am the Lord who searches the heart. I test the mind. I even give every man according to his ways and according to the fruit of his doings. That's what the Scripture said. If you have a good tree, it will produce good. If you have an evil tree, it will produce evil. And the same is true with us because we're like a tree. Whatever's in the heart's going to come out. I guarantee you, no matter how long you hold it back, Jesus said, God knows your hearts. You know what? I thought about that. You know... He knows your heart. He knows my heart. And you know there used to be a song years ago. I don't know if I know all the words to it or not. But, but there used to be a song they used to sing, How About Your Heart? Is it right with God? 
That's the thing that counts today. Is it black with sin? Or is it pure within? That's the thing that counts today. People know and see you from outside. But God knows and sees from on the inside. How about your heart? Is it right with God? That's the thing that counts today. You see, the song preached a message. How is your heart? And so I thought about this. You know, even Adam and Eve who were created and had so all the wonderful things. I thought about them. Man, what a, what a, what a marvelous life they had. God created them were perfect individuals. He created Adam, the perfect man. And then He created for Adam a beautiful, perfect woman. And yet they fell. Their hearts became wicked. And when God had come into the garden day after day, as He put them there, and He would walk, the Bible says He would come every day and walk with them and talk with them and encourage them until one day He came to the garden and they said He did not see them. And when He didn't see them, He began to yell out, Adam, where art thou? Adam, where are you? And finally there was a little voice because of the wickedness and the sinfulness that had come into their heart, there was a little voice said, "Oh Lord, uh, we know that you are such a tough God, and and you know we just we were just so worried about getting and to talk to you." And Jesus said, "What have you done?" You see, He knew in their heart, and you know what? They had the same blame game we do. What happened? Right away, right away, Adam said, "Here's that wife you gave me. She caused that trouble." And when it came to the wife, she said, No, no, Lord, it wasn't me. It, it, was that, it was that serpent. He beguiled me. You see, we play the blame game. We blame everybody else. And Adam and Eve did the very same thing. And I want to tell you something. They couldn't hide from God. There was no way that they could hide from God. No matter how thick the brush may have been. No matter how many trees or bushes may have been around. They couldn't hide. God knew where they were when He said, Where art thou? He knew where they were. I'm going to tell you something. You can't either. God knows. I've had people say, Well, I can't go to church. I did this and I, last week and everybody will know about it. Let me tell you something. God already knows about it. Who cares what people think? God knows our hearts. He knows our inner dwellings. He knows what's within us. And I'm going to tell you something. Passing the buck, playing the, play, the blame game will not do. You might be able to fool some of the people all the time. Or all the people some of the time. But I'm going to tell you something. You can never fool God. Never will God be fooled. God knows your heart. And you know something? He knows your heart right now. He knows right where you sit in this sanctuary today. He knows what's in your heart. And He's saying to you this morning, I want your heart. I want to control you. I want to come into you. I want to bring peace and joy and forgiveness. I want you to know that I want my heart to live within you. You see, you can't fool God. There's a third thing. Your heart's condition can be changed. It can be changed. You see, we've all come short of the glory of God. God can change a wicked, deceitful heart to one that is pure and white as snow. Your heart, you see, provides you with your inward motivation. You see, your, your heart, that inward motivation causes you to either do good things or to do bad things. 
It causes you to, to uh, many times, for the outward deeds that will take place, my friend. You have potential. Every person in this building has potential this morning for good or evil. Because the potential's there. It depends on how, when it's filtered through the heart, how it comes out of whether it's for good or for bad. And so that's the reason why that God wants your heart. A hateful heart can become a loving heart. Now let me give you an illustration of that. I have a good friend of mine. Doesn't live too far from me. Used to live right across the street from me. He's a great guy. He was, uh, his parents are from Cuba. He was born in America. Uh, he's a great towel setter, does a great job. Had a family, a wife, two gir- young ladies, two girls, and, and you know, he, he was going well in life until he began to be abusive to his children and abusive to his wife. And, and, and then he would begin to use drugs and then he began to use alcohol. He would have his highs and his lows. One day he'd be as sweet as could be. The next day he could be as mean as you could come. But you know what? Because of what was in his heart, because of allowing this to fill his heart, he drove his family away. His daughters didn't want to be around him. They were afraid of their father. And the mother couldn't take it any longer, and so finally she left him and divorced him. And in the process, he not only lost his home, but he lost his business. And here he was, down at the bottom, with nothing left but a bottle and some drugs, and no family and nothing. And at the bottom, finally he cried out to God. God took an evil man, a man that was horrible, that nobody wanted to be around, that nobody wanted to live with, and God changed his heart. And I'm going to tell you something, that heart that was mean and contemporary today, if you would meet him, he's the sweetest, talking, most wonderful young fellow there is. In fact, I'll tell you what, yesterday he spent the day Worked all week on your knees, putting this towel down. His business is booming. He's got more business than he's ever had since he's come to know Christ. Everybody knows him. His name is Angel. And everybody knows Angel. Angel witnesses and tells people all the time about the Lord and what He had done in His life. You know why? Because He knew it happened. It wasn't something He heard about or read about. Angel said, it happened to me. I know what God can do. And so no matter who He meets, no matter how bad they are, He'll tell them, you know what? The God that I serve can take a difference in your life. You see, God can change hearts. Now, you can't change it and I can't change it, but God can. And so I thought about this. You know, not only do we see it there, but... Let me give you a biblical character. Y'all remember Zacchaeus? Zacchaeus, that little guy that climbed the tree. That little guy that you know, you know something about. There's something about little Zacchaeus that did something. You know what? He 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 got he got this job as become a tax collector. I mean, he, he might have been small, but he carried a big club. Because you see, back in those days, the tax collector could go around and he could charge you anything he felt was necessary to charge you for. He would not always give it all to Caesar. He would pocket a lot of it. But Zacchaeus was a guy that no matter what, he took advantage of people. He would take their tax money. He would take everything they had, make them sell everything in order to get that money. Until one day, he heard about Jesus. He was curious about who this Jesus was. I mean, if I can get money and I can make it this way, if I could get whatever that guy got, what more could I have? That's what Zacchaeus was thinking about. His heart was evil. 
And Zacchaeus one day was out there and he heard of the trail that he was going to take. And as Jesus walking down that road, I walked that road not many months ago, but as he's walking down that road and, and I, I looked at sycamore tree and I thought about how Zacchaeus get up in that thing, I don't know. I mean, there's so many branches and bushes every which way. It's a good thing he was a little guy. But he got up into that tree. And when he was up in that tree, he got seated just the way where he could see Jesus as he walking by. And all of a sudden, Jesus got under the edge of that tree. And Zacchaeus heard something he had never heard in his life. He said, Zacchaeus, come on down here. I'm sure. Hey, can you imagine if you were up in a tree and you didn't think anybody knew it? And they come not only knowing you're there, but to know your name. And he called him down. He said, this day, we're going to dine at your house. And the whole church got upset about it. Oh my, he's a tax collector. He's a sinner. And he's going to his house. But he had a purpose. He went to his house and did spiritual surgery on Zacchaeus. I want to tell you how I know that. Because Zacchaeus come out of that house and he began to say, Lord, if there's anyone that I've taken from wrongly... Now, he knew. He didn't need to put that if in there. He already knew it. Gaking it wrong. He said, but I'll give it back. I'll pay them back. But I'll pay them back threefold. In other words, I'll give more than I've taken from them. I'm going to tell you something. You don't react that way unless you've had a heart change. Something has happened within his life. And I'm going to tell you something, it's still today. I want to tell you that a bitter heart can become a forgiving heart. I have seen it happen in life and ministry. A troubled heart can become a contented heart. I thought about a young fellow that had made it real well in business. His business was booming. Things were going great. And, and as he wasn't married. He was just a single fellow and had money coming in. So he decided, I, I've always wanted, I've always dreamed about having me a Jaguar. I want a Jaguar convertible. I want it to be bright red. And I want all these features on it. And he special ordered that car. I mean, almost $100,000. And he bought this car. And he parked it in his space that had his name on a parking garage. And he sat at that desk day after day while the car sat in the garage. And one day he was sitting there looking out the window and the sun was shining. He decided, you know what, I'm going to close down shop. I'm going to take that convertible out. I'm going to take me a little cruise. He got in that little car and he started down through the town and there was so much traffic, nobody was paying attention. So he decided he'd get off the main street. He'd go back into these side streets where there was, uh, you know, the projects and these apartment buildings, and he would drive that Jaguar around just as proud as could be. And he's driving down through, and all of a sudden, there was a thud. And he looked, and there was a little boy that was come out between two cars, and he looked down to the side, and there was a brick laying there. He put his brakes, and he put that in reverse. He jumped out of that car. He said, boy, what in the world are you thinking of? That's my new car. That's an expensive car. Why would you throw a brick at it? And the young boy said, I'm sorry, sir. I'm sorry, sir. He said, sorry, he's not going to get it. You've ruined my new car. He said, but mister, with tears streaming down his face, mister, I've been trying to get somebody to stop. Nobody would stop. I had to throw the brick. He said, my brother, in a wheelchair, 
crippled. He just fell off of the curb between those two cars. And I can't get nobody to help me get him back in the chair. He walked with that little boy. Picked that boy up and put him back in the wheelchair. Took out his monogram handkerchief. He began to wipe the bruises and the scratches. He said, can I help you get him home? And the little boy said, no, thank you. No, thank you. We just live down the block. You get him on the sidewalk. I can push him home. That young man walked back to that new Jaguar. He looked at that brick still laying on the street. Saw the marks on the door and the dent. Got in his car and he sat there for a moment and said, God, help me. Help me to react never again this way. Help me to realize that there's hurting people that need my help. God, forgive me. A week or two later, one of the fellows came out and said, what in the world happened to your new car? He said, oh, little boy, threw a brick at it. Well, why don't you get it fixed? He said, no. Now that brick, that, that, that door will be that way as long as I own that car. Because every time I get in that car, I'm going to remind me. I'm going to remind myself of what I was and what now I've become. Let me tell you something, my friend. Our hearts can be changed. A heart that looks at people and puts them down. A heart that looks at somebody that's going through trial that we've never known. I've learned a long time ago that, you know, we don't understand why people are in the situation they're in. But when we have a heart of Jesus, when we allow His heart into our hearts, we have a different feeling for people. We have a different outlook on people. We have more compassion on people. We're more willing to give and to help them because Jesus is living in our hearts. Are you a slave to a sinful habit today? Is your heart being conformed? been taken over by the world? Do you long for freedom as angel did? Do you long to get rid of some of the things that you're not? Do you want to be free? Oh, don't believe that lying devil that will speak to your heart and say, that's the way you were, that's the way you were born, that's the way you were raised, that's the community you live in. You'll never change. Let me tell you something. The devil's been a liar from the beginning. God is able to change hearts and lives. Don't let the devil deceive you into that today. Just This is just the way that you are and you'll never change, he says, but there is hope. Jesus can change your heart. And you know what? The Apostle Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians in the chapter 6. Paul was writing in this chapter of an experience that he had on the Damascus Road. You see, the Apostle Paul was going to persecute the church. He was going to kill the people that were claiming to be Christians when God spoke to him and put him down. And then he was lifted up and taken into the city until his eyesight was restored and his heart was restored. And Paul wrote these words. He said, "Do Do you not know that the wicked will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived, neither be Neither the sexually immoral, nor the adulterers, nor the adulterers, 
nor the male prostitutes, nor the homosexuals, nor the thieves, nor the greedy, nor the drunkards, nor the slanders, nor the swindlers, inherit the kingdom of God. And then he said these words, And that is what some of you were. But you were washed, you were sanctified, you were justified in the name of Jesus Christ by the Spirit of God. Let me tell you something. Those of us that sit here today, we are not what we are because we have any abilities of ourselves. We are what we are because of what Christ has done in our hearts. When He changed our hearts, He changed our living style. He changed us from being us. Some of you right here today were evil. Some of you that are sitting here today had some bad habits. Some of you here today had some bad attitudes before you changed your heart through the power of the Spirit of God. You are what you are today because of what Christ has done in your life. You don't need to blame others any longer. Jesus took the blame for your sin. Jesus already paid for that price. Jesus wants to forgive. You know, we get the idea that Jesus wants to always condemn us. I've heard people say, well, you know, when you preach, sometimes you just bring condemnation. No, I want you to know that Jesus wants to change you. I want you to see that we were wrong and we can be made right. All we have to do is submit ourselves to Him. Jesus wants a place in our hearts today. He wants to get into the heart of the matter and let God change it. We need to get into the heart of the matter. You know, in closing this morning, I know that a lot of you remember of all the shootings and all the things that have taken place, but you know the one that reminds me the most is the one that took place in Paducah, Kentucky. We had three churches there. We have a campground right across the street from one of our churches. I've been at that camp meeting. I've been to the church there. But you know, at Padica High School, a number of years ago, came across that there had been a big mass shooting. A student came to school with a gun. Automatic rifle. He began to shoot. Now, I'm sure that when that alarm went off, that there were mothers and fathers. Some of them was at a typewriter. Some of them was in a mechanic in a garage with dirty hands. Some of them might have been on a carpentry job. Some of them might have been in a factory. But when the word came that there was a shooting that took place in the high school where their children went, they dropped everything. And they begin to pray, God, don't let it be my daughter. Don't let it be my son. Don't they prayed all the way to the school. But the fact of the matter was, there were some of those parents' prayers that was not answered in that affirmative. Some of them lost their sons and their daughters. One particular mother, in the anguish of it, her and her husband weeping and crying because their son, who was a star football and basketball, looked one day to go to college on a scholarship who had taken his, lost his life in that school shooting. And people came and they began to say to them, they're young people and, and there, there are people that need vital organs. Would you, would you be willing to give your son's heart? Would you be willing to give parts of his body? There are people that you can save their lives by doing it. And in the process, 
The mother said, I didn't even realize what I was saying, and I said, yes! That young boy's heart was taken from his body, given to a man 47 years old, to sustain life. After she heard and gone through bereavement, terrible time, terrible time to lose a child. We know, we've been there. To lose a child. And you go months wondering why, why, why. Finally, she began to contact the people who had sent her the letter thanking her and telling her that her son's heart was saved the life of a man 47 years old. She began to say, can I contact him? And so they, she did, made the contact, but then the contact had to be approved. And you know how the, the all goes down. Anyway, they begin to try to find out who it went to. And it went to a Methodist preacher. She wrote a letter. Said to the Methodist preacher, she said, I just wonder if there would be a chance if we were to fly to where you are. If you could just sit and talk with us and let us share with you the kind of heart our son had. Tell you a little bit about his life and about his history and tell you what kind of a boy he was to us and what he meant to us. And of course he accepted. When they got to the town, they took, went to the church and secretary brought him into the office and the pastor stood up and with tears streaming down his face because of the gratitude he had that he was alive today even though they had lost their son because of their son's heart. All they embraced and they cried and they talked and they laughed and they shared all the good things and back and forth and back and forth. An hour meeting came to a two hours and fifteen minutes. They got up out of the chair said, we've taken enough of your time. They went to the door. Husband went out and the wife got to the door. I don't know why this happens with wives, but they do that. But she stopped. She said, could I ask you one more favor? And the pastor said, absolutely. She said, could I lay my ear on your chest and hear my son's heartbeat one more time? Wow. Church, God is saying the same thing to you and I today. He wants to lay His head on your chest and hear His Son who died on Calvary for you one more time. If He were to lay His head on your chest today, would He hear His heart sunbeat? Because the Bible says Jesus wants to come into our heart. Let's give into your hearts. Have you given your heart to Jesus today? Is God's Son living within your heart? Can God rely upon you today? Great question. How is it with your heart? Does Christ live in it? If not, why don't you let Him why don't you open it to him this morning? Take a moment or two and kneel at this altar and say, God, come into my heart. Forgive me. Help me. Change me. And I'll live for you.
Let's stand together. Father, you know our hearts. Oh God, we pray for every person that sits in this building this morning. Lord, we pray that this would be a day that we would have a heart check it. Help us to see whether or not you still controlling and living in the center of our hearts. Because we know that when you're in the center of our heart, you'll take care of all the other things in our lives. Because the most important thing that any one of us can do, Lord, is to give our heart to you. We pray for every man, woman, boy, or girl that sits in this building this morning. Lord, let this be a day when a new heart would come into their lives, if need be today, as we sing this song. In Jesus' name we pray. Will you come as we sing? Turn to page number three.